Hey, welcome to the Steamboat Christian Center podcast, where our greatest goal is to love God and love people. If you would like more information about our church, please visit us on social media or at steamboat.church. We're so glad you joined us today. Let's jump into this week's message. I'll tell you, there is nothing better than Jesus. And second place, there's nothing better than being in church on a Sunday Easter morning. Amen? <laughs> Amen. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for being here. It is so good to see all of your faces, at least half of them, <laughs> and to hear your voices. I love that. I don't know about you, but I love worshiping in church with my brothers and sisters so much better than standing in front of my TV screen singing by myself in my bathrobe or my boxer shorts, or whatever you want to visualize right now. Don't do it, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, it is great to be with you here this morning. Thank you for joining us. Welcome, everyone. Welcome, all of you who are watching online. So honored to have you join us on this Easter weekend. Uh, my name is Troy, one of the pastors here, and uh, uh, man, I'm excited. I'm ready to get into this message. Are you re- ready for an encouraging message this morning? Amen. I think we can use it. In fact, think about this. I told the crowd last night that it, I'm a little nervous. Uh, it's, been a while. it's been two years, two years since I've had a chance to speak at an Easter service. Two years since we've done that. Isn't that mind? It's been a long two years. Amen. Glad that God has got us to this point. Um, well, if, if you've been hanging with us over the last uh, maybe few weeks, you know that we've been doing a little series called Stuck. Everybody say Stuck. Stuck, and basically, over these last several weeks, we've been trying to answer a, a, a simple but very hard question, and that question is, is, what do you do when there's nothing that you can do? What do you do? What do you, what do, you do when you can't move forward and you can't get out of what you're in? What do you do when, when, when you don't have any more cards to play? You've played everything, and you're just stuck. What do you do when you're stuck in life? One of the things that we've talked about is that when we are stuck in a difficult situation, it's easy for us to believe that uh, things are actually worse than they are. Have you ever noticed that? That when you're in a bad circumstance or you're in a time of crisis, that, boy, your mind really works against you and causes you to think that just things are bad and that they'll never, ever get better. It's kind of how you feel when you've been stuck. And, uh, but I'll tell you this. If there's anything that Easter proves to us, it's that nothing is impossible with God. Come on, do you feel me this morning? (laughs) Nothing is impossible with God. And you and I will never get ourselves so stuck that God can't rescue us out of that and pull us out of that. I believe that. In fact, to illustrate that this morning, I want to look at one of the most unbelievable, most powerful statements I think that uh, has ever been uttered. And, And certainly it's one of the most unbelievable statements in the Bible, which is full of a bunch of kind of unbelievable statements at some times here. And, uh, and a lot of people have heard this statement. You've probably heard it before. But uh, my sense is, is that maybe, maybe not as many people actually believe it. That's unfortunate because there's some power in believing this statement. Um, it's ma- it was made in John chapter 11 in the Gospel of John. John wrote this in chapter 11, verse 25. Jesus made the statement. Here we go. Let's just jump into it. Jesus said this in John eleven twenty five. 25. He said, I am the resurrection... And the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Everyone who believes in me will live even if he dies. 
Now, that's, that's tough. Maybe you're kind of new to this, and you've never heard that, and you're like, boy, that's a pretty audacious statement, kind of an unbelievable statement in many ways, and I, and I get that. In fact, a few years ago, a few Easter's ago, my little girl Tatum was here with me, and she turned to me, and she asked me a good question. She said, Dad, what is a resurrection? I thought, that's a good question, and I said, you know, a resurrection is when someone dies, but then they come back to life. Tatum looked at me, and she's like, wow, that's kind of freaky. (laughs) And she's right. It is a little freaky to think about. I mean, I'll tell you, if if there's one thing that that we've learned in this life, it's that uh, uh, no one is coming back from the death. There's no coming back from death. Death is final. And so when you and I think about resurrection and we hear resurrection, especially on Easter Sunday, they talk about resurrection. For many of us, it's kind of freaky. It's kind of weird. It's hard for us to wrap our minds around that. And uh, in fact, uh, this is a funny little story I I like to tell sometimes uh, uh, about this guy whose dog, uh, no, whose neighbor's, his dog, sorry, let me get this right. Can I tell you this story? Is it all right? All right, let me make it up as I go along. No, this guy, his dog shows up on his front porch or his back porch. I'm making this up as I go along. Fro shows up on his back porch, and, and in his dog's mouth is his neighbor's pet rabbit. The rabbit is dead, and this guy is horrified. This isn't starting out good, is it? This is a bad story. I'm not going to bail out. I'm going to push through. And so the guy doesn't know what to do. He's like, oh, my gosh, my neighbor is going to freak out when he finds out that my dog has killed his rabbit. I mean, this is bad. I mean, he's going to run us out of the neighborhood. And, and so he thinks and he thinks and he finally comes up with an idea. He takes the dead rabbit back into his bathroom and puts him in the sink and turns on the water and starts washing all the dirt. The bat rabbit's just dirty. gets all the dirt off of it. And he looks at it and thinks, hmm, maybe shampoo will help. And so he puts some shampoo in there and he shampoos the dead rabbit, then he, then he gets out a, a towel and dries him off and then gets a blow dryer and starts blow drying the dead rabbit, then he gets his wife's brush out and starts combing it, you know, that's a really great move on his part, just combing it, pretty soon the rabbit looks as good as new, then he takes the rabbit, he jumps over his neighbor's fence and then sneaks up and he puts the rabbit into the rabbit cage and then boom, he's out of there, presto, right, his, his neighbor will never know what happened. And so he watches, and about an hour later, a neighbor pulls his car into the garage. Then he watches a little bit longer, and he sees his neighbor step out into the backyard. And then about a minute later, he hears this blood-curdling scream. And right on cue, this guy runs out of his back door, runs over to the fence, and says, Hey, neighbor, uh, is everything okay? I heard you you screaming. Is everything all right? And his neighbor is just standing there, pointing at the rabbit cage. And he's kind of shaking. He's like, My rabbit... My rabbit died three days ago, and I buried him next to your fence, and now he's come back from the grave. I'm sorry. <laughs> Probably not on Easter morning telling a dead rabbit story isn't a good way to start out. I just ha- couldn't resist. But today, what I do want to tell you is a much better resurrection story than that. It's about a man who died, and, uh, but he didn't stay dead. He didn't stay that way. And the one I'm talking about this morning is a fellow by the name of Lazarus. How many have heard of Lazarus? Yeah, Lazarus. And uh, if you don't know the story, Lazarus was dead and he was buried. I mean, he was literally stuck inside of a grave. 
In fact, they had rolled a stone over the front of that grave. Um, and, and uh, I mean, you just think about this. You talk about a hopeless situation. It is over. That is final, right? But Jesus does something in this that I hope encourages you and I today on this Easter Sunday, this first time that we've been able to be in church in two years because of this crazy thing that we've gone through. In John chapter 11, verse 1, uh, John tells us a story. It says, now a man named Lazarus was sick. It's kind of an understatement. He was literally on his deathbed. We find out that he actually dies. He does die. He was from Bethany, um, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And so Lazarus' sisters sent word to Jesus. Mary and Martha sent word to Jesus, and they said this, Lord, the one you love is sick. It's interesting. They don't even put his name in there. In other words, they know this guy is your friend, your, your boy. He is sick. Now, this is bad news. Jesus gets this and knows it's bad news. Uh, Lazarus is young, and these ladies would not have sent this message unless something was really desperate. This was a desperate situation. His life was being cut short. This is one of those stuck moments. And I just want to pause here for a moment because um, I need to acknowledge this reality that this morning, those who are watching online, those that are here this morning, many of us are celebrating some great things in our life here. We're, we're celebrating Easter for the first time in a couple of years. Amen. We're celebrating, um, many of us are celebrating spring. Come on. Are you ready for spring to be sprung in steamboat? Amen. Uh, we're, we're, maybe you're celebrating uh, the fact that spring break, you're going to get away for the first time in a year and go somewhere. Maybe you're celebrating the fact that you made it through this pandemic relatively unscathed, that you're, you're pretty blessed. And that's good. I'm glad for you. But the problem is, is that there are probably some people here who are not necessarily celebrating. They have gone through some difficult situations. They are going through a difficult situation right now, and they are desperate. I don't know what it is. It could be all kinds of things. Maybe, maybe you got a phone call. Recently, maybe things were going great and all of a sudden you got a phone call and they said on the other line, they said, the one that you love is sick. Maybe you found a family member who has been diagnosed with cancer and that has shaken you to your core. I don't know what it is. Maybe you've realized and gotten some bad news about your, your job. Maybe they, someone told you, hey, the job that you love is going away. It's dying. You've been laid off or you've been fired or maybe uh, the business that you work for is closed, or your business is closing. I don't know what, what could it be. It could be a relational situation. Maybe your marriage is in trouble right now. Uh, maybe your dream marriage is, is turn, turned into a nightmare. Maybe uh, this COVID thing uh, and being locked down has exposed some cracks in your marriage, and you find yourself stuck in a broken relationship that you don't know if it can be repaired. What do you do when you find yourself in a desperate situation? That's what we've been talking about. Well, may I give you a piece of advice this morning? Thank you. Yeah. Um, if I may, I would encourage you to go to Jesus. Some of you are like, oh, I knew you were going to say that. Of course I'm going to say that because here's why. Jesus has a knack for turning hopeless, desperate situations around. He's famous for it. Haven't you heard? It's true. It is absolute true. And what Jesus says next here in verse 4 is going to encourage you. Look at this. It says this, that when Jesus heard this bad news, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son might be glorified through it. I want you to get this for a second. In other words, Jesus is saying, hey, this situation that has come upon you that you didn't want, 
and that you didn't ask for and that maybe you didn't even deserve. This situation that is so bad right now that you wouldn't even wish it on your worst enemy. It is possible that God wants to use this situation to do something good, to do something that he couldn't do otherwise, to do something that will bring glory to his goodness in your life. I want you to hold on to that moment. I want you to hold on to that thought for a moment here. It's possible that God wants to use these negative things that have happened in your life for something good. And what I want to do is, for time's sake, I want to quickly go through the next few verses of this, of this story. Um, and, 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 and here's the thing. Um, uh, I'm going to just kind of summarize it a little bit because uh, uh, I, just for time's sake. And so here's, here's what happens. Basically, um, Jesus um, hears this news that his friend Lazarus is, is sick and is dying, and Jesus does this. Nothing. He, he just stays where he is. He doesn't move. He doesn't get up. I mean, the disciples hear that his friend Lazarus is dying, and they all get up, and Jesus says, sit down. And they're like, what are we doing here? And, and, and Jesus, the Bible says that John says that Jesus waited for two days before he responded to their request for help. I don't know about you, but in my life, that's what it feels like sometimes when I'm in a crisis, right? It feels like when I'm in trouble and I need God's help, it seems like God is kind of um, purposely stalling, that he's not moving, that he's tapping the brakes when I'm needing him to speed up. Does anybody here know what I'm talking about? It just feels like God is slow with these, some of these things. I'm like, God, come on, man. Haven't you heard? I'm in trouble. Things are happening. I need your help, man. Are you going to come or not? And this is just classic God, I think. But finally, in the story, it says after two days, Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, okay, let's go to Bethany now. <laughs> and his disciples, they hear this and they're like, wait a second, Jesus. Um, Bethany, and this, you may not know this, Bethany is way down south by Jerusalem. It's just on the other side of the hill from Jerusalem. And the, the disciples and Jesus are up in Galilee right now. And, and, and the disciples are like, man, Bethany's down by Jerusalem. We don't want to go down there because down in Jerusalem, all the religious leaders want to kill you. This isn't good. We don't want to go down there. They're, they're wanting to kill you. And of course, they're right. The, the religious leaders were plotting to kill Jesus the next time he showed up. And that's, in fact, what happened. But uh, Jesus hears them, and he says, I get it. But he said, our friend Lazarus, in verse 11, he says, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. That's a nice way to put it. <laughs> but he says, but now I will go. I love that. But now. In other words, there is a timing with God that is perfect. Jesus said, now I will go, and I will wake him up. Now, Jesus is speaking metaphorically here because he knows that Lazarus has died. Lazarus is already dead. But Jesus is going to go down and he's going to do something pretty amazing. Now, before we get to that big finish, I just want to quickly um, look at three different characters that are in this story because each one of them is stuck in a different way. Each one of these people is stuck. They are in a dead end of some situation that they can't move forward. They can't get back. They are stuck in something. And I have a feeling that some of you will totally relate to at least one and maybe all three of them. 
The first one I want to look at is a guy named by, by the name of Thomas. Thomas is one of Jesus' disciples. Then I want to look at Lazarus' sisters, Mary and then Martha. But I want to start out with uh, Thomas because most of us can kind of relate to Thomas. Thomas, write this down if you're taking notes. Thomas was stuck in his doubts. He was stuck in his doubts. He couldn't get out of his own head and out of all of his doubts that he had. Now, many of you know Thomas had a famous nickname. What was Thomas's nickname? Doubting Thomas, that's right. You may not know this, but he actually had another nickname. In verse 16, it says that Thomas, a.k.a. Didymus. You ever notice that? Didymus, everybody say Didymus. Didymus. Sounds like a first century rap artist, doesn't it? T. Diddy. <laughs> T. Diddy. I don't, I don't know why I'm telling you that. That really has nothing to do with the story, but... Uh... The point I'm trying to make is, that, listen to this. When Jesus suggests that they make a dangerous trip down south, T. Diddy chimes in. Gets a little snarky here. Look at what it says here in verse 16. It says, Then Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, Well, let us go too, so that we might die with them. You smell the, the sarcasm in that a little bit? He's like, yeah, yeah, well, great idea, Jesus. Let's go down south where Lazarus is dying so that we can all die. This is totally classic Thomas. He's doubting that Jesus will get them through. He's doubting that Jesus knows what he's talking about. He's doubting that Jesus will take care of him. Thomas is stuck in his doubts. And I think a lot of us wrestle with this too. In fact, I'm curious. How many of you here would be honest and admit that at some point in your life, you've had some serious doubts about God? Raise your hand high. Come on, be proud. Amen. Raise it up. How many of you doubted God this last week? Raise them up high a little bit, yeah. Now, I want to thank you for being honest. For those of you who didn't raise your hand, I want to give you a moment to continue to polish your halo while I talk to the rest of the people that are real here, okay? I say that because I know, speaking of snarky, <laughs> I say that because I know that at some point, every one of us wrestles with doubt. Every one of us. Doubt is part of faith. It's part of the process that our doubts, if handled correctly, will cause us to investigate, to seek the truth. And Jesus said that you know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus said if you will seek him, you will find him. And so if your doubts push you away or cause you to go down, you're not handling them correctly. You need to use those doubts to investigate and to find out and to look for more. And so doubts are a real thing. Every one of us wrestles with this. And maybe you have wrestled with it. Maybe you prayed that God would do something for you one time. And God didn't do it. And your heart began to fill with doubt. Or maybe you went to freshman year in college, you know, and you had a faith. You had a simple faith. You grew up in a family of faith. And a professor kind of messed with you. He's like, you don't really believe all that stuff in the Bible really happened, do you? And you began to go, yeah, maybe I don't. And, and doubt started to creep into your head there. Or maybe something bad happened to someone that you love. And you, you thought, God, <laughs> God, if you're so good, if you're so good, why would you allow this to happen? Why didn't you stop that thing from happening? And over time, doubt has kind of filled your heart, and you don't trust God like you used to. You used to have a simple, childlike faith, and now you just wrestle with it. If, if that's describing you here this morning, it's possible that your faith needs a little bit of resurrection this Easter Sunday morning. 
I want to show you how to deal with that. I want to encourage you with that. Now, maybe you're not like Thomas. Maybe you're more like Mary. Mary, write this down, was stuck in her discouragement. Stuck in her discouragement. And maybe that's where you are. This year has been a year from H-E double hockey sticks, right? You know, it's been a tough, tough year for you. Maybe it has just been one bad thing after another for you. And you're just like, cow, the hits just keep on coming, right? And you can't seem to get a break. And you're discouraged. You're discouraged and you're down. And in some ways, maybe you're ready to give up. Maybe coming to this service just represents kind of a last-ditch attempt to God go, man, I can't take any more. Well, that's exactly where Mary was. In verse 20, check this out in the story. It says, when Martha heard that Jesus was just outside the town, she ran out to greet him, right? When Martha heard that Jesus was just outside the town, she ran out to But what did Mary do? Look at this. It says, but Mary <laughs> remained seated in the house. You can almost picture her there. Just rocking in a rocking. I ain't go, why should I go out there? My brother is dead. It's over. It's over. It's done. And some of you feel and know exactly how she feels. You're like, what's the point? Nothing's going to change. Why am I even here in church this morning? Maybe you're in church this morning because someone drug you here. You got a drug problem. Someone drug you to church. <laughs> and you're like, why am I here? Nothing's going to change. It's always going to be the same. I'm always going to be lonely. I'm always going to be broke. I'm always going to be depressed. I'm always going to have this dead-end job. I'm always going to be in this dead-end marriage. You're discouraged. You're discouraged. And, and maybe nobody even knows that you feel that way. It's possible that you came here like the rest of us. You put on your best shirt, and, you're, and you got a smile on your face, and you run into some old friends, and they're like, how are you doing? And you're like, Great. Praise God. God is good. You just throw it all out there. And, and, and on the outside, you're smiling, but on the inside, you're dying. You're dying of discouragement, and you need a resurrection too. Some of you are like Thomas. Some of you are, are like Mary. And some of you can totally relate to Martha. Martha was, get this, she was stuck in her delay. She was stuck in the delay between her prayers and her prayers being answered. She's like, God, where are you? Where are you, God? Why are you taking so long to do this thing? You should have been here by now. You should have done something by now. Why the delay? Well, this is interesting, and maybe you've never seen this before, but this is brilliant. In verse 17, it says this. It says, upon his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. That's kind of too late, right? Now, that four days is significant. Everybody say four days. I've talked about this before, but this is a fascinating uh, piece of uh, truth here. Back then, back in that day, there was a belief that was widely held by a lot of people that after someone died, their spirit would stick around the body for three days. For three days, just in case the body kind of came back to life. Now, this wasn't biblical. It was a superstition that a lot of people held. But people believed that the spirit of a loved one who died would stick around the body for three days. But after four days, they're gone. They're out of here. Sayonara. Everybody believed that. And so get this. In Martha's mind, Lazarus wasn't just mostly dead. 
He was all the way dead. Amen. That's just a reference to Princess Bride. Some of you got that. Amen. Amen. He wasn't just mostly dead. He was all dead. For Martha, Jesus showing up when he did was too late, too little. Too little, too late. Right? It was over. And in verse 21, it says this. She says as much. She says, when she saw Jesus, she said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. We wouldn't be in this situation. In other words, what took you so long? You took your sweet time coming down from Galilee, and now it is too late. And some of you feel the exact same way. You're, you're looking at your situation, you're like, God, you missed your shot to do this for me. I've held on. I've been hanging in there. I've held on through this pandemic. But my marriage, it's falling apart. My business is closing. My dreams are slowly dying. And now it's too late. You're stuck in the delay. I know some people that are part of our church, some, some single guys, some single ladies, and we're praying, and I talk to you, and you're praying, you're praying, God, I'd really like to get married. I'd love to have someone walk through this life with me. I'd like to share this life with him. And I've been praying, and I've been waiting, and I've been waiting, and I'm waiting, and God, I've stayed faithful to you. I've stayed faithful to you, and there's not anyone even on my radar right now. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There's no action in this town. There's nobody good in Steamboat Christian Center that I can marry, right? And that's how you feel. There's just nothing there. And you're like, most of my coworkers are out hooking up at the bars, they're getting jiggy with it. <laughs> Reference to Fresh Prince of Bel-Air for some of you guys, all right? Yeah, they're getting jiggy with it. Some of you were like, I've caught the bouquet at the last three weddings I've been to. When is it going to be my turn? Right? You're like, why the delay on this? I know some couples that have been praying that they could have a child. They could have a baby. And for whatever reason, they can't seem to conceive. And it's painful. And it's hard, and I know in those circumstances, it's interesting. It seems like every one of their friends that are in their circle of friends is getting pregnant with triplets. <laughs> it's like, serious God, why? What's up with that? I know some people who are, who are praying for a spouse or a child that they would come to the Lord. You're, you came this morning, you were hoping your husband would come with you, you were hoping that your wife would watch with you or your child, that they would connect, and you've been praying and praying and praying, and it seems like the more you pray, the farther they get away from God, and you're like, man, why is this taking so long? What are you doing, God? Maybe some of you are praying for a healing. You've got cancer in your body, or you've got an injury, and you've been asking God to heal you, but for some reason it hasn't happened yet. You're stuck in the delay. If that's where you are today, man, I hope that this story speaks to you a little bit. Because one of the things that we need to remember and remind ourselves is that God's delays aren't always God's denials. Just because it's taken a long time, just because God hasn't done something yet doesn't mean that he won't. It's possible, like Jesus said, that God may be slowly arranging things in your life so that he can use that and do something in you and through you that he couldn't have done otherwise to bring glory to himself. It's possible. But here's the truth. Here's the truth. That with God, sometimes things can change like that. Sometimes things can change quickly. And Lazarus' story is a great example of that. Uh, and, and, I, and I want to illustrate it to you this way. A few years ago, I was reading this story in my Bible. And, uh, and I was just kind of going through it. And I noticed something I'd never noticed before. And, and, it, and this just blew me away. Um, in my Bible, John chapter 11, most of John chapter 11 takes place uh, 
on page 897 in my Bible. And, and, and so I was reading through it. And you might say, well, what's the big deal on that? Well, a lot of bad stuff happens on page 897. Lazarus dies. Lazarus gets sick. Lazarus dies. Lazarus is stuck in a tomb, right? Uh, Mary and Martha. Mary gets discouraged. Martha gets depressed. Thomas loses his faith and gets a little snarky, right? A lot of bad stuff happens on 897. But then on page 898, I mean, right at the top, everything changes, it's that instant. I'm telling you, at the bot, check this out. On the bottom of my Bible, on page 897, is verse 21, and it says this. Lord, Martha said, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Then I turn the page, and at the top of page 898 is verse 22. And listen to what she says. But I know that even now, even now, God will give you whatever you ask for. Little little jolt of hope, of hope there, a little jolt of hope kicking in there. I know, I love this, that even now, I love that, even now, he's dead, he's buried, it's over, but even now, maybe, God, you can do something amazing. I love that. And I believe that some of us here this morning need to have an even now moment with God. We need an even now moment with God. You've been stuck on page 897 this whole year. I want to encourage you to just, in faith, <laughs> turn the page and go to 898. Why? Because this is true. Even now, even now, God can take your messed up situation, your jacked up marriage, your jacked up finances, your family that is broken right now, and God can do the impossible. Even now, even now, Jesus can resurrect your dreams that have, have been destroyed by this pandemic. Even now, if there is something that has died in your life, the resurrection power of Christ can bring it back to life. I believe that. And that's exactly what Jesus did in this story. In verse 23, it says that Jesus said to Martha, Martha, your brother is going to rise again. And Martha, in verse 24, she's like, I know, I know, you're right. He will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And in verse 25, Jesus says, no. No, you don't understand what I'm saying. Um, he said, I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life. Uh, notice this, he didn't say, I can resurrect him or I am able to resurrect him. He said, I am the resurrection. Everyone who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And then he asks this question. I love it. He says, do you believe this? And my friends, if you're stuck in a bad place right now, you're stuck in a bad situation, you're, you're in a bad place in your mind right now, that's the big question. Do you believe in the resurrection? Now, I get it. The resurrection freaks us out a little bit. It's hard for us to wrap our minds. Maybe you're like my daughter. Resurrection's kind of freaky to you. And you're like, I don't know if I can believe that. Hey, if that's where you are, this thought will help you, okay? I promise you, get this. And this is what we've missed for years when we've read the Bible or read this passage. Jesus, check this out. The resurrection isn't an event. The resurrection is a person The resurrection isn't something that just happened a long time ago. 
or just happened once. It's a person. The resurrection isn't something that Jesus did once. It's who Jesus was. It's his nature to resurrect. He can't help himself but bring dead things back to life. He can't help it. You, you may not know this, but death was never a part of God's original plan for this planet. This, that was never, we were made to live forever. Many of us know that we feel it, right? God, God never wanted death in this situation. But when sin entered this world, death came with it. And I would suggest to you that when Jesus came to this world, he brought life with him. Everywhere he went, he brought life to situations. He brought hope to people. He brought hope to hopeless situations. The Bible says that Jesus went around healing all those who were sick and, and afflicted. He couldn't help himself. He healed the sick. He, he healed the blind. He healed the lame and the broken and the stuck. And he raised the dead. He, raised, he resurrected the dead. Why? Because that's who Jesus is. That's who he is. That's, that, it's just who he is. The resurrection isn't an event. It's a person. It's a person. And we know him. And so here's the rest of the story. I'll go through it quickly. Verse 39, it says that Jesus walks up to the tomb. And, and you know this. He says, remove the stone. Now Martha, uh, Lazarus' sister, said, ooh, mm, don't do that. That's not good. My brother has been in there. His body's been in there for four days. In the King James Version, she said, he stinketh. Everybody say stinketh. <laughs> it's a nice way of putting, there's a bad odor in there. You don't want to open this up. It's been too long. But then Jesus prays to his father, and in a loud voice, in verse 43, he says, Lazarus, come out. And then you and I read one of the most mind-bending, <laughs> earth-shattering Verses in the whole Bible, verse 44, it says this, the man who had died walked out, his hands and his feet bound in grave clothes, and Jesus told those standing there, unwrap him and let him go. Let me repeat back to you what, what, what the Bible tells us happened, that the dead man who was stuck in a tomb walked out of that tomb alive. This is, this is, this is our faith. This is, this is what we, we say we believe, and that's hard for us. It's hard for us to believe this, but this is what God is offering you and I this morning, my friend. And if you've been with us over these last few weeks in this series called Stuck, um, you know that this has not been an easy topic that we've been dancing with and dealing with. In fact, it's been really hard. In fact, almost every week I found myself crying because it's so hard. Why is it hard? Because you and I are learning a hard lesson, and that is, is this, is that the God of the Bible doesn't always do what we want him to do. Have you noticed? He doesn't always do what I want him to do. I want God to do what I want him to do. I want him to be what I want him to be, but that's not who he is. He doesn't always answer our prayers like we want him to. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says not yet. And that's hard for us. But sometimes he does say yes. Sometimes he does the miraculous. That's what he did for Lazarus that day. 
And that's what he did for Jesus that first Easter morning. And that's what God can do for you today. The Bible very clearly says this in Romans chapter 8. It says that the same spirit, the same power that raised Jesus and raised Lazarus from the dead is alive inside of you. You don't feel it, but it's there. It's there. And, 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 and so if you're discouraged and you're depressed and you're doubtful and you're feeling kind of hopeless, maybe you feel like you're stuck in a hole. You're stuck in a hole and your hands and your feet are tied and you can't move and, and there's a big old giant stone blocking your way to get out of there. You're like, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. If you listen closely, if you listen closely, you can hear Jesus calling you. Come out. Come out. Leave your past behind. Leave behind your doubt and leave behind um, your discouragement. 2020 is over. Hallelujah. God is wanting to do something new. Come out. Come out and experience the power and more importantly, the person of the resurrection. He's waiting to set you free. To let you go on your way alive again. Now some of you are saying, well, how do, I, how do I experience that? How do I put that into my life? Well, I'm glad you asked. Jesus tells us the secret for you and I to experience resurrection power in our life. It's in verse 40. And I just want to give you the scene. Standing in front of a crowd of people who are crying and mourning over the loss of Lazarus. Uh, and standing in front of his disciples, standing in front of Thomas, standing in front of Mary and Martha and all these people that are in the midst of the longest few weeks of their life in a difficult situation, Jesus said this. He said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see? That if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. You would see God do something amazing in your life. If you believed, you would see. If you could just believe, you would see. My friend, I know that this last year has been tough. But why not put your doubt and your discouragement to the side for just one minute and choose to believe that God can do something amazing in your life? The, the, the resurrection isn't a one-time event. It is a person and this Easter, you and I have the invitation to say a prayer to that person to see what he can do in our lives. After the longest, suckiest year of our life, we have an opportunity to invite him to bring us back alive again. This Easter Sunday is huge to me because this represents us as a church coming alive again of stepping away from the past and stepping away from all of that discouragement that's piled up behind us and moving forward and being alive again. Who wants to join me on that? Amen. I can't wait to see what God is going to do in our lives this year. Would you, would you bow your heads and your hearts as I pray and I close? Father, <laughs> more specifically, Jesus, it's been a year. It's been a year of years and none of us ever want to go through this year again. 
And I know that I'm not alone. There are a lot of people here struggling. This has been a tough year. And, and, and we've taken some hits. And our hearts and our, and our emotions are just <sighs> burdened. But I thank you. I thank you for the hope of Easter. I thank you for the message of Easter. I thank you that there is a resurrection and that isn't just a one-time event. It isn't something that happened thousands of years ago. It, it, it is a person. And I want to invite that person into my life and into my situation and into my tomb that I've kind of created. And I want him and I want to invite him to do what he wants to do. I believe. Right in the quietness of your heart, just say, I believe. I believe, Jesus, you are the resurrection and the life. I believe this. I believe that you can't help yourself but bringing dead things back to life, and I invite you to do that in my life. I invite you to make my life again. I declare this Easter, (laughs) Steamboat Christian Center is going to live again. Hallelujah. We're going to live again. These dry, dead bones are going to live again. We love you and we thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's children say amen to that. Amen.